Welcome to the Ride With Us podcast, presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, the world's largest ride enthusiast organization dedicated to the appreciation, promotion, and preservation of roller coasters around the globe. So please keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times as we welcome in your host. Hello, enthusiasts. Jessica Gardner here. It's February, the month of love. And we've gotten lots of love recently as enthusiasts. How about that announcement that CoasterCon 47 in 2025 will be taking place at Six Flags Great America, Little America, and Indiana Beach? Or how about all the online posts from parks about coasters putting in their last pieces of track on their new coasters? Or how about mystery boxes being left out in front of theme parks with Intamin logos and mysterious numbers? How romantic. Well, we're continuing to spread the love with our Valentine's-themed episode here at Ride With Us. In the second part of our episode, podcast production manager Corey Wooten chats with ACE member and winner of the 2023 CoasterCon Photo Contest, Sam Cooper, about his fun Instagram series, Speed Dating for Coasters. You don't want to miss that. And to start our episode, love is in the air. And something you may have noticed in the air a lot recently in parks, concerts, at IAPA Expo, breaking Guinness World Records, and even at the Super Bowl are drone shows. I am so intrigued by these, and we all wanted to learn more. So correspondent Bryant Yeager snagged a private chat with one of the top drone light show providers in the U.S., Rick Boss from Sky Elements. Enjoy, my loves. Hello, everyone. This is Bryant, correspondent with the ACE Ride With Us podcast, and we have a very special guest with us today. His name is Rick Boss, and he is the president of Sky Elements Drone Shows. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing great, Bryant. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. A little bit of a, a different change of pace for us. We're always talking about roller coasters and things, but Today, we'll dive into some of the entertainment aspects that you can find at a theme park and just kind of when you're going to all kinds of uh, other events. So what is your uh, background? I guess I should start with, uh, obviously, based off your name, you you do drone shows and you do some really large scale drone shows, some pretty wild stuff. What's your background in that industry and, and how did Sky Elements drone shows kind of come into existence? Yeah, you've nailed it. We're definitely in the drone show space. Uh, so yeah, we're flying shows all over the country. And we got into this space really from the fireworks space. Myself, my business partner, we've been in pyrotechnics for about 12 years, shooting shows for cities, municipalities, uh, big events, things of that nature, a, a regional fireworks company. And one day my business partner came to me and said, hey, have you seen these drones? People are talking about them being the next firework. And to be frank, I, at first I thought, I don't know, it seems kind of novel. Didn't really look at it closely. And uh, he bought me lunch. And so that's when I knew he was serious. So I took a closer look there. And, and, and sure enough, those things, they were cool. And so we we actually bought drones, not frankly thinking about it as a long-term business or anything, but just something that looked like it'd be fun, something we could play around with. Maybe we added on to an event. 
And once we got the drones and started flying them, we were like, this is really cool. And we were having a ton of fun. Next thing you know, we're flying for some clients and next client, next client. And we were having so much fun. We just kept leaning into it. And here we are today. We're flying over half the shows in the U.S. and just having a ball. So are y'all still doing fireworks shows or have you converted strictly to drones? We are pure drone. So our firework entities are still there. There's still business that's happening there, but uh, we are completely focused on drones. I think last season was probably the last season that I showed up to one of our firework shows. But we do shoot drones and fireworks simultaneously. We've done that multiple events. It's a great mixed medium to have together, to have fireworks and drones together. To me, it looks beautiful. We've done multiple shows for MLB, for Major League Soccer, for smaller events where we've got both pyro and the drones flying together. And to me, that's beautiful. I don't think it's an either or. I think both is amazing. I would have to agree. Uh, I love a good fireworks drone mix myself. So I, I see drones at theme parks. I see drones at other places. And I'm always curious, you know, when a client comes to you with an idea, how does the design process flow from that beginning concept to actually executing the final product? Yeah, it's quite a process to go through, actually. And half of my team is creative folks. So we have 3D animators, creative director, and folks on our team to help guide our clients through the process. So it's helping tell their story. We're looking to bring their story to life. That's one of the unique things about the drones is that we can really tell a story. We can really bring imagery to life that they couldn't do otherwise. So that involves quite a bit of design time, quite a bit of time of working with our creative folks, really understanding what the client's looking for and the client's understanding what the medium is. It's a new medium. It's not something that they're like, oh yeah, I'll take one of those and make it this long and make it that big. They're like, help me understand what it looks like. What are his capabilities? So we spend quite a bit of time on that creative process with them. And that's the reason we've made the investment we have in our creative team. We've got more 3D animation folks on our staff than every other drone company in the United States combined. And that's uh, that's one of our secret sauces to keep the shows looking amazing. I've seen a few different versions of a drone show, you know, where you've, it's kind of 2D and then all of a sudden it'll, it'll start to spin around and you get that really cool 3D aspect. How many people do you have working on a single project at one time, just kind of on average? Yeah, so typically um, we'll have, when we're out on site is where a lot of it happens. So I'll, I'll back it up maybe is that there's really two big pieces that happen. One is the animation process. So let's take a, a typical 300 drone show as an animator might spend between 50 and 80 hours designing that show. And they'll work together with some of the other folks on their team. It's not typically just a solo job to get it all done. And so there's quite a bit of time that's spent on there. And then the physical aspect of just getting drones deployed and set up. So when we've got 300 drones that we're setting up in the field, there's typically anywhere from six to 10 people out there making sure that everything gets set up things going to run smooth. But at the end of that process, there is one person um, pressing a button to hit go and make sure everything is running safe. All right. So we're going to, we're going to tie into the theme park industry a little bit here. So y'all were at IAPA this, this uh, last run. 
And Sky Elements drone shows, y'all broke two Guinness World Records. Can you tell me about the records you broke and kind of why you chose IAPA to do that? Yeah, IAPA, what a fun event. We had so much fun there. My first time going there was two years ago. I had no idea as we entered into this drone space. Uh, we headed out there and I was blown away with that place. Uh, for anybody who hasn't been that's listening to the podcast, y'all need to go. It's awesome. <laughs> There's so much to do there, so much fun, so much to see. And we had so much fun last year that we thought we really need to bring drone shows to everyone else. We we saw that folks were bringing in just such big, um, such big pieces, such big parts of what they show off. And we thought we need to show off a drone show and everybody needs to be able to experience what a drone show looks like. And so we said, you know what, we're going to fly one of the biggest drone shows they'll ever see. We flew several 400 drone shows and then we flew a 1600 drone show Whoa. that <laughs> night for everyone. And that's just a massive drone show. So much fun. And one of the things that we showed a lot of the folks there at IAPA is the robustness of what drone shows can do. And particularly our platform is very robust. It was raining, 20 mile an hour winds. It was a nasty night, if you recall. Like it was just a bad day. We had people coming up to us all day long. Hey, are y'all canceling the drone show tonight? And we're like, no, uh, we're still <laughs> going to fly and all of this. And really what sparked us to say we need to do something big at IAPA is that it is such a new medium. And folks that haven't seen a drone show in person, it's hard to really appreciate what a drone show is. So we thought, what a great opportunity to get a lot of folks in the entertainment space and the theme park space together to actually see a drone show and see a drone show at scale, see setup up close and personal and what that looks like. So that's what drove us to do it. And we just had a ton of fun and we thought, you know, why not get a couple more Guinness records while we're there? And so that's what we did. So what were the records that y'all broke? Yeah, so we did a couple records for the largest aerial, I think it was the largest flag. We saw that one that somebody did in the Middle East, and we thought, well, we got to bring that back to the state. So it was uh, largest logo, largest uh, flag done with drones. Uh, it seems like uh, some parts around the country, they'll do a couple of Guinness records here and there. And so we've been grabbing some of those and then bring them back to the state. So we had a, a huge American flag out there. It was just awesome. And that was one of the Guinness records there for us. Yeah, I saw I saw some clips of y'all's drone show and uh, I wasn't even looking for it. So I know it was a big hit there because it was popping up everywhere. But, you know, when I, I was looking at y'all's portfolio a little bit online and you kind of spoke on this a little bit earlier, you know, your some of your clients have been, you know, NASCAR, Amazon, some MLB teams, some mun municipalities. Do you have any projects in the works with theme parks that you can talk about? It's I, what I'd say is that it's a it's a new technology. It's a new medium. There's been several parks out there that are flying shows. Disney Paris has a drone show. So what I tell folks is that it's coming. So you're going to see drone shows and theme parks in 24 and in 25 theme parks are very innovative and they've been looking at all of it closely and making sure that it fits and brings the best uh, bang for the buck for their uh, their folks that are coming to the park. So, yeah, you'll definitely see some projects coming here in 24 and 25. All right. Fair enough. We look forward to it. So, you know, with. The, this entertainment technology is, is getting more and more popular. It's popping up all over the place. What sets uh, Sky Elements drone shows apart from, from some of the other companies that are also doing these shows? Yeah, there's a lot of great companies in the space. And, and 
you know, we've been having so much fun in the space and it's been fun getting to know some of the others that are in it. But I, what I'd say separates us really is um, our passion for it uh, is is high. And, and then I'd also say our ability to execute is very high too. So we've come into projects where we've heard, you know, there's other vendors that need, you know, three days of setup, need all types of different parameters to make it happen. And what we've done is be able to make it really efficient for our customers, really turnkey. Uh, so that piece of it has made it logistically easier and that separated us. And then the, the big, the second one, and probably even a bigger one is just from a design component is that we've made a significant investment to have 3D designers on staff. Uh, folks that are making creative imagery. In fact, almost all of our shows, 4th of July maybe is a little bit of an exception. There's a lot of stock shows, but 90%, 95% of all our other shows are custom unique shows every single time. And like I said, I'm flying over half the shows in the U.S. and they are all custom made to the clients to tell their story to look the way they want it to look. And so I, I would say those two things have differentiated us, how we're able to tell their story, make it come to life. And then we've just made it smooth and easy logistically for uh, our clients. This is a new space. This is a new medium. It is a complex technology. And so it takes quite a team to pull it all together. And we've been really blessed with our chief pilot, Preston Ward. If, if folks out there, they need to follow him. He's at that drone show guy on Instagram, and he has a ton of fun posting up some of his shows. But he has really nailed how to fly these shows and understands the technology. He has a lot of fun on his Instagram, but he, he's really plugging in. He knows he's probably flown more drone shows than anybody else we know in the world. And then we've got our logistics champion, Tyler Johnson. He just crushes it. He gets people where they need to be, when they need to be there. We've got two out of the country shows happening right now. And he's just getting people all over the world and all over the United States on the regular. And then Brian Gack, he heads up our creative department. He's our creative director. And he's just killed it on the animation side of things, making it easy for our customers. And so that, that whole combination of everyone's really created a synergy that has really helped Sky Elements separate from our competitors and, and really help push this medium forward, making it easier for customers uh, to execute a really cool show. And so, yeah, we'd, we'd love to fly for anybody out there. It's not quite ready for everybody's birthday party. Uh, it's still <laughs> too expensive for that, but, uh, but we're coming for you. Well, you never know. I mean, Taylor Swift could call you up and say, hey, I've, I've got this awesome idea for my birthday. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Taylor Swift. Uh, we'll, we're happy to do her birthday party. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just want to pick your brain a little bit. You know, you've got all of these big shows that you've put on everywhere. Do you have a project that stands out more than the others? You know, we have done so many projects thousand over a thousand projects and that's not over a thousand flights that's over a thousand projects we've done a ton we've had a ton of fun i've had really cool ones i'll tell you though what really stands out in my mind i, I actually have two that really stand out in my mind and and i think for me it's what i enjoy so much about the space what i enjoy is just the connection with people they love the drone shows they love connecting with their community and i so one of my favorites is it's a relatively small show and it is one that um i was with my family and we were just having fun flying and i got my girls one of the first shows they've seen is near the beginning and they're all just giggling and ooing and on at the drone show and just feeling that it was so fun and then the second one that stands out is similar experiences we were flying a christmas show 
and we are out and the crowd is just thick. It's shoulder to shoulder with everyone. And as Santa Claus comes up, the kids are like, it's Santa. As the reindeers come up, it's a Rudolph. And just that energy and that fun of the experience that everybody has with it. That's that's what I love about doing these drone shows. Those are actually two of my ones that always just stick out in my memory. But um, but yeah, I've seen so many amazing shows and, and I, I love them. I, I've personally seen over 250 of our drone shows and I still to this day, I, I watch them take off and I watch them form formations. And I'm like, this is just so cool. It's such a unique medium. So yeah, I, I, I really love all the shows, but those are my favorite ones. The ones that you really feel the connection with the crowd. I think, you know, it's one thing to see your first drone show. I remember thinking like, whoa, this is, this is wild, you know, kind of, kind of like the first time you would see a fireworks show or something like that. Um, but you know, I've seen the same drone show a few times and it never gets old. It's always interesting. And I'm always like look, finding new things and wondering, having new questions about it. So it's one of those things that kind of just, is always interesting, which, which is why I love one of the things I love about them. Um, and you touched on this a little bit earlier that y'all are really flexible with your parameters and your design. Have you encountered anything that was particularly difficult or challenging to execute with one of your clients? We've had a few challenging ones over, over time. I don't have one that stands out. I mean, there's there's one for anybody who's a fan of Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, that one, if somebody's ever, you can Google up that TV show. That is an interesting and crazy environment. I have no idea what's going on there. I'm not going to even <laughs> speculate what it is, but we can tell you from a technology perspective, there is something going on there. Uh, that's, so that's probably one that's a really unique and, and challenging. Our team has had a fun time actually uh, testing better technology, trying to figure out how we can overcome whatever's going on in that space. So that's a, that's a super fun one. And then, you know, another one that just popped into my head is thinking about, and this is smaller scale is being creative and figuring out how to bring value for our clients is, you know, I had a client that was wanted to fly a show and they wanted to do something really big, but where they were set up, the audience couldn't see it very well. Mm. And they're worried about the crowd being able to get down there. And, and they wanted to fly something really big as for Christmas. And I said, Hey, let's go smaller and I can fit it right down the street where everybody can see it. And they're like, well, can we fly it more? And we, we hadn't flown as many in a night, but I said, sure, here's what we can figure out. And our team figured out, we ended up flying eight shows a night for that particular event so that the folks didn't have to all pile down to one end of their event. They could know that, Hey, every 30 minutes, there's going to be a drone show down there and they could come check it out. Uh, and that was, that was an interesting challenge and a lot of fun and a way to help people be able to see a drone show throughout the night and not just have to worry about hitting the right time to catch the drone show. Or, um, uh, so yeah, that was a fun one as well. Very nice. Yeah. We almost turned this into a, an alien podcast there. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna yeah, have to look up. It can go. It can go. It can go interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna have look to. Up to that I'm, gonna have to fun. I'm gonna have to look up some of y'all's uh, Skinwalker Ranch stuff. I watched that show recently, and <laughs> you watch the show. Yeah, what you'll the see us on there. We're on there a couple seasons. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> we don't get it as much anymore, but in the beginning of drone shows, is 
uh, the police departments would get calls of alien stuff, what's going on. Uh, so, you know, three years ago, it was so new that people had no idea. Now, as people, enough people kind of know and they figure it out or they text it to somebody and say, what the heck is this? And they know it's a drone <laughs> show. But uh, yeah, uh, it was kind of fun to, we, we've had one where was, we were in Austin, we flew a drone show for, um, it was actually for Halo. And that night we're the police department's with us. They're sitting with us, their robotics team. And they're like, Hey, we just got another call. And somebody thinks it's aliens. But like that night, there must've been like five calls in for, for aliens uh, coming up into the sky. So that's always fun. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, everything's an alien. I feel like now, but, um, <laughs> and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, who knows? And maybe it is. I have no idea. Maybe all our drones <laughs> are aliens, but they're, they're performing well. So I appreciate it from them. <laughs> It sounds like y'all have been really busy. Where are some of your next projects taking place? I, I guess I should say, where are some of your next shows taking place that are public knowledge that you can talk about so that people can check out your product? Yeah, you know, we're we fly on the regular uh, across the country. So um, off the top of my head, I can't think of one that's there's a lot of private events that are coming up here mm -hmm. lately. They'll start as spring comes in, there'll be a lot more city events that'll start rolling in that folks can go to. But the best place to go is pop out to our website. We've got a section on there is uh, see a drone show and we post up public things as they come up. But I'll tell you, um, and I don't know if I can public it. So I'll just say just in generic MLB teams, there's going to be a lot of drone shows for more of our MLB customers this year. And uh, one of them is going to be flying 10 drone shows this year. And they're going to be large, 1,000 drone shows at wow. some of these venues. So, yeah, some folks are going to get a chance to see some really cool drone shows when they head out to uh, some of these major league parks. And then we've got some, a lot of other cool projects that are coming up Um I don't know. One of them isn't public yet, but yeah, there'll be some fun ones, but we do post up all the public ones. You know, we're flying drone shows every week. So there's an opportunity for folks to find uh, a drone show uh, somewhere, somewhere around the country. You'll be able to find one. So where can we find uh, sky elements drone shows on social media? Yeah, our favorite, our team's favorite is Instagram. So jump out to Instagram. That's a really fun spot to check out some of the shows. And like I mentioned earlier, check out that drone show guy. That's Preston Ward, our chief pilot and my business partner. He has a lot of fun posting up there. But uh, yeah, jump out to Instagram, but we're on all of them. So you can find us uh, across the board on your favorite social media. And then you can pop over to our website at Sky Elements Drone Shows and we'll have a we have a spot on there where you can find uh, any of the public shows that you come out and see well rick hopefully sometime in the near future we'll see you pop up at a theme park because uh, i feel like that's where I we're usually no at <laughs> <laughs> i have no doubt we'll meet at a theme park soon it's it's been great talking to you rick we really appreciate you taking time to come onto the podcast and and talk to us about uh, sky elements yeah brent thanks for having me on a lot of fun i really appreciate it hey enthusiasts this is your podcast production manager and correspondent, Corey Wooten. Today, we have a special guest for our Valentine's Day feature, Sam Cooper. Sam is a fellow ACE member, as well as a prominent photographer and content creator known for capturing stunning coaster shots. Sam was also the winner of the photo contest at CoasterCon 45, with his breathtaking image of Dr. Diabolical's cliffhanger at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Not only is Sam a talented photographer, but he's also the creative mind behind the Instagram series Speed Dating for Coasters, which he's here to talk with us more about. Thanks for coming on the show, Sam. How are you doing today? Howdy. I'm doing pretty well. Fantastic. 
So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where are you from? What ACE region are you a part of? Um, and what would you consider your home park? Yeah, yeah. So I am a very active photographer, like you said, and I try to go to as many ACE events as possible. I actually joined ACE uh, when I was about 10 years old. My aunt bought me a membership wow. because all my life I've been interested in roller coasters and that's kind of been my obsession. So yeah, my aunt bought me a membership when I was really little and I thought that was the coolest thing because I got magazines, you know, every quarter. Mm -hmm. And that was like the highlight of my year, like just waiting by the mailbox uh, for the next issue of Roller Coaster to come. So I could just like lay on the floor and read it and dream about all the parks I was going to go to. Um, however, nice. I grew up in Oklahoma. That's where I live now in Tulsa. And our closest theme park is Frontier City in Oklahoma City. And mm -hmm. as a kid, I never went there. Um, my family always went to Silver Dollar City about uh, three and a half hours away. Um, that's where we always vacation. And that was the only theme park my parents ever took me to until I begged them to let me go to Six Flags uh, over Texas. And we went for about five hours one day because there was a homeschool conference in Dallas going on. And my mom wanted to go to the homeschool conference. And I was like, well, mom, we're not going to Dallas if we're not going to Six Flags over Texas. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the the start of my descent into madness um, because ever since I got on a hyper, uh, that was Titan, that was my very first hyper, um, I knew that I just had to keep doing this. And so I have, I travel on my own. Um, I had a traveling job for a while and that got me out to most of the parks I've wanted to visit. That's how I visited Cedar Point for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. But now I just, I plan massive road trips. So I went to Con last year, did Dollywood and Carowinds, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, came back through Georgia, stopped by Fun Spot to ride Airy Force, and uh, went to Six Flags over Georgia as well. So yeah, I'm uh, mostly a photographer, but sometimes I make uh, silly videos on Instagram to kind of balance things out. Um, that's what I do for work as well. I am a, uh, a social media content creator for an ad agency here in Tulsa. Wow, it sounds like you've got a lot going on. But yeah, I, mean, I, I also realized I forgot to tell you what region I was a part of. <laughs> oh, sure. Go ahead. This is kind of funny. So I am officially part of Ace South Central um, because that is the Texas and Oklahoma region. So really, my home park would be Frontier City. Um, but I kind of consider myself an adopted member of Ace Heart of America um, because that's where Silver Dollar City is. And Silver Dollar City, that's my real home park. I visit it more than any other park in the country. I think I went eight to 10 times last year, just doing day trips and uh, weekend visits. Um, and that's also my most photographed park. So Ace Heart of America is really where I, I do most of my events and know most of my people. Awesome. Well, let's get right into the fun stuff. Speed dating for coasters. How about giving our listeners a little bit of a synopsis of your show? Yeah. So this is about a uh, this is about a 30 second show. I try to keep them at 30 seconds. Sometimes they're a little longer, but shorter the better. A uh, 30 second show where I just take two rides and uh, pretend they're in a relationship or introduce <laughs> them to one another. It all really starts with one coaster. I'll get like really interested in one and, you know, think like, hmm, if they were dating, like who would it be and why? And I say that it sounds very simple when I say it like that, but really the show is about absurdism and hmm. satire so when i'm created at my own rule is no joke is too unfunny because i i think a lot of it is not like laugh out loud humor it's just more absurd stuff uh like oh my gosh like 
why did he say that? This dude is weird. Um, I want to make people mm-hmm. laugh because what I'm talking about is just so out there that you can't help but chuckle. Um, mm-hmm. And so really, I take that you know satire approach into the writing and everything, and I just make it as ridiculous as possible. Sure, um, I'm just on Instagram. My username is midcourseblues. It's mid period course period blues. I'm pretty easy to find though because I think I'm the only one with that username. And right. most of my page is photography, but occasionally I'll put up those speed dating for coasters videos. Uh, just finished a, a whole little season of it. Nice. So what would you say inspired you to start speed dating for coasters? Is there an origin story? So this is the funny story. I'm glad that we're approaching Valentine's Day because this is really relevant. It started about a year ago. I went to Bush Gardens, Tampa for the very first time. Um, this was like a big reward to myself, you know, taking a trip down there. And I just did it for a weekend. So I like flew out of Tulsa on a Friday, spent a day at the park on Saturday and came back Sunday. Um, so it was not a very long trip at all. I only spent like maybe 12 hours total in the park. Um, but it was a park I'd never been to. I'd never been to Florida either. And I was like, I deserve this. In the months before I had just moved and it had been the holidays. So it was a little stressful. And um, I was dating someone at the time. And perfectly lovely person, but we were not really aligned communication-wise. Like, the way we communicated just didn't click. And I think we both realized that kind of late. So that's how this all kind of ties together to this moment of me waiting in line for Iron Gwazi. And I remember I was at Busch Gardens Tampa not having fun, which is funny because Hmm. I'd always wanted to go. And I was in line to ride Iron Gwazi. You don't want to the most anticipated coasters of, of my life. Like I built this up so huge in my head. I was like, Oh, this is going to be mind blowing. Like this is going to change my life. And I was like in line for the back row. And I was like, I am really grumpy right now because my partner had not texted me back. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's pretty childless looking back, but you know, we all have those moments where sometimes we're just a little frustrated with our significant other, but I grumpily boarded the train and I remember dispatching out of the station and before we even got to the lift, this just like popped into my head. I was like, you know what? I bet Zodra would text Iron Gwazi back. <laughs> I went through the whole ride and I like had a great time. If anyone hasn't ridden Iron Gwazi, like you need to and most oh, yeah. of you have. But yeah, it's mind blowing. Um, it'll change your life. And it certainly did because yes. I was smiling when I got to the brakes. But then I got off and I thought, wait a second, what if Iron Gwazi and Zodra were dating? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And that kind of wormed its way into my head. And I ran around for the rest of the day doing my little content creation thing. I was getting photos and videos uh, and whatnot. And yes, I got texted back and uh, all was well. But that idea just kind of stuck with me. And so I went home from Busch Gardens, Tampa and got immediately broken up with (laughs) right before Valentine's Day. It was actually very... Very good thing because we both had a very friendly realization. You know what? I think we are maybe not meant for each other. (laughs) And understandably, I was a little bit sad, but we ended on very good terms. And so I found myself with a lot of free time uh, because I was no longer going on dates. And I kind of poured that into making content for Instagram. And that's how I started this. Um, I filmed a whole episode of Speed Dating for Coasters. Uh, thinking it was going to be a one, one-time one deal. And it was about Iron Gwazi and Sadra. And then I watched it back and I was like, this is the stupidest piece of garbage that <laughs> I have ever created. 
Um, so I put it in my trash bin on my MacBook and hit delete. But about a week later, I was like, no, 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 no. You need to try again. And you need to try it with a ride you're more comfortable with. Because um, I'd only ridden Iron Gwazi a couple times. And I felt like I didn't really know the character. So I wrote a little episode uh, by scratching out a couple sentences on a notepad while I was watching TV about Outlaw Run. And I was just racking my brain. I was like, okay, if Outlaw Run was dating someone, like, who would they be dating? And that's kind of how the first couple episodes went. I made one and I was like, you know what? I didn't hate that. Um, so I posted it before I could second guess myself. And people seem to like it. I try not to look back too far into what I've made. But I, I think the response was generally good. And so I was like, you know, I could make a little series out of this. And uh, that's that's what I did. I you know, wrote episodes uh, once every you know couple weeks and put them out there. And some of them, I think, are a lot better than others. But it's only been recently that I feel like I've really found my groove and uh, kind of realized what I'm trying to do, uh, which is that absurdism aspect. Uh, for a while, I was like, oh, no, I'm taking this seriously. Like, if coasters were dating, like, who would they date? And I was like, that is not funny. And I would <laughs> rather just make the stupidest jokes I can think of um, because they entertain me. And so that's what I do now. If if I have an idea for an episode, like I ask myself, you know, is this something that you find funny or is it something you just think people are going to pay attention to because, you know, it's a popular ride and videos about popular rides tend to do well. Um, mm -hmm. And if it's something that I find funny, I make it and I have no regrets. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the story of mm -hmm. how it happened. I just finished up a whole second season. I, when I say that, I mean, it was four videos that I wrote one afternoon uh, at a coffee shop and then got snowed in. So I filmed them all and edited them all on a Saturday. Nice. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my little second season. That's awesome, Sam. Well, personally, like I said, I've seen all the episodes and I'm so glad that after deleting the first one, you decided to take another go at it uh, because you are so funny. The episodes are so funny. The matches you make are always interesting and comical, and your personality just comes across as both witty and humorous. Uh, so speaking of matches, do you have a process when it comes to playing matchmaker with the coasters? There certainly is. So I think one of my favorite aspects uh, of theme parks is the fact that, you know, it's it's escapism. So you step into this park and you're just in a totally different world. That's why I love Silver Dollar City so much, because uh, there's... There's just nothing like it. You know, you really go back to the 1800s and you're there for a solid day. But within that, you know, world that theme parks create, you know, they have all these attractions and all these rides that have a bit of a character of their own. And that's something I really notice, you know, especially as a photographer, like each ride, each coaster has such a unique personality to it, whether it's the way it feels or the way it sounds or the theming, or even the marketing. I mean, every ride has a very distinct, you know, aura about it. Like it's, it's gives you a feeling. Um, very true. And that's kind of what I start with when I'm matchmaking a coaster. So I pick a ride that I'm very, very interested in. So like recently I did Copperhead Strike and I wrote that for the first time. I actually, Corey, I think we wrote it together. Yes, we did. During mm -hmm. con. Yeah. And that was one of, it was during the pride ride and that was one of the best uh, coaster rides of my life. Uh, but Copperhead's a great ride, and it's so funny because it just like really stands out in the rest of Cedar Fair's lineup, theming-wise. I mean, you've got all these like hand-painted you know signs with hillbilly grammar everywhere. 
And I remember just like running around taking pictures of the signs with my phone because I was like, this is so ridiculous. This feels exactly like how I would theme a coaster. Um, it's it's just like so stupidly lovable. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been thinking like, okay, like how can I put Copperhead Strike with a ride that impressed me, like equally impressed me with the theming? And I just like came up blank uh, for the longest time. And so I let it sit and finally I realized, I was like, oh, okay. I should not be actually trying to find a match. Um, I need to be, you know, doing the exact opposite of what Copperhead Strike is. So I, I found the sleekest, most, you know, pristinely themed Cedar Fair ride out there, which I think is Orion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I introduced them. But I, I, there's a bit of a, a smaller joke in the episode. And I think that smaller joke about food and beverage, both rides being themed to food and beverage, is, is funnier. That's kind of hard yes. to explain without... <laughs> watching the episode yeah you'll catch it if you watch it for sure yeah um, <laughs> definitely and i mean opposites attract right uh, and of course as you mentioned us riding copperhead strike last year copperhead strike listeners is at my home park carowinds and of course orion is located at king's island so essentially to explain the show as sam has already kind of broken it down for you he takes two coasters they could be in different parks the same park or pretty much anywhere, as long as he's had an experience with them. Uh, He then gives them a personality of their own and shows us how they're compatible with each other. So it's an incredibly unique and creative idea. So Sam, would you tell us how you've seen the show evolve since it started? Oh, yeah. So like like I said, the first episode I ever made went in the garbage bin because I didn't think it was funny. And there's actually been quite a few that have ended up in the garbage bin, uh, never to be seen by anyone. Took me a couple tries on Lightning Rod, actually, because I went into Dollywood thinking like, oh, I'm going to make an episode of Speed Name for Coasters about Lightning Rod. And this is, you know, this is the idea I have. And then I filmed it and I was like, that is not funny because I wrote it and I had a different opinion. So there's there's been a couple, uh, couple different tries I've had to take at each episode. But um, I think how the process has evolved is I've been less and less intentional about trying to make matches. Like very early on, I was very focused on crafting jokes that like worked really well and rides that paired well aesthetically and just vibe wise, personality wise. And I was like, no, I really just need to, I I need to be as silly as I possibly can be. And, And I think in that second season that really shines through, which I think the second season has, you know, my, best episodes because uh, I just mm-hmm. get really ridiculous with it and I've kind of taken the pressure off myself as a creator I think you know that's one of the hardest hardest parts of producing anything kind of overcoming the pressure you put on yourself to make something good um, and so when you take that off and just enjoy you know the process uh, you're going to end up with better content and hopefully something that other people want to watch um, so that's kind of how the the process has evolved i've definitely uh put a little more time into setting up lighting (laughs) Uh, when i started out i really just threw my camera on a tripod tripod and hit record and later i was like you know i i have nice lighting at work and i'm really intentional about that so i might as well put the same effort into uh the content i'm you know making for instagram and each episode you know even though they're about 30 seconds they they take a good two to three hours of editing uh, just because sure. there's a lot of little pieces that go into it. Um, right. You may not realize, but it goes from my camera to Premiere Pro to After Effects to Adobe Audition. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts to make that 
little 30 second video. Right. So you do the scripting, filming, editing, pretty much the entire production process all by yourself. Yep. Yep. I mean, usually my scripts, there's nothing fancy. It's me writing down, you know, thoughts on a piece of paper. And then I stand in front of a camera for a few minutes and act ridiculous until I feel like I've got a couple takes that I can edit into something. And then from there it goes into Premiere and I cut it all together. I sharpen up the audio and then I take it in After Effects. And the hardest part of every video is motion tracking those stupid logos into my hands. (laughs) I think I did (laughs) I think I did that in the first episode because I, uh, that's my line of work. So I, I'd been learning After Effects and I was like, you know what, this is just a good reason to practice. So I did it and it turned out well. So now I'm stuck doing that for every episode. And let me tell you, it's a, it's a big uh, time suck. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. A man of many talents. Well, Sam, how would you say your followers and the enthusiast community have responded to your show? Um, good. I have a very, very small account. I'm uh, no big content creator by any means. But the people who watch Speed Dating for Coasters, uh, you know, my followers, I think they find it really funny. And I think it's so totally different from what you normally see on, you know, theme park Instagram. Um, right. And so it, it kind of stands out. And I think it's a good 30 second breather for people. So they can just be like, you know what, this is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think as a community, when we like anything like roller coasters, we tend to get really, really serious about it. And sometimes that, you know, puts a lot of pressure on the community and social media and ourselves to like certain things or not like certain things or like have strong opinions. And that's kind of what speed dating for coasters is not about. Like it's really just a break from anything that's serious because these jokes have no weight in real life. Like it is just the most ridiculous stuff that I can think of. So yeah, I I think my followers find it as like a good palate cleanser. Yeah. And that's a great way to put it. And I would 100% agree. Uh, I love the days that I'll open Instagram and I'll start scrolling and suddenly I'll see you pop up and I'm like, sweet, there's a new speed dating for coasters episode. Um, And I'll just get like super excited about it just because I know that it's going to be something that brightens my day and that makes me laugh and it's just enjoyable to watch. Uh, So speaking of the matches that you've made, would you say you have a favorite out of all of them? Oh my gosh, yes. There certainly is. <laughs> so I do want to say like early on in the show, I had a little message at the end of the video that said, you know, like who needs to go on a date next? You know, like put it down in the comments. And a lot of people made like really great suggestions. I was like, oh, those are all really great ideas. And then I realized I can't be funny about coasters that I've never experienced. So I realized I needed to stop doing that and kind of just focus on the rides I have experienced. And that's what you know, makes this a lot easier. But the two, like any coaster at Cedar Point, I was just terrified to touch because Cedar Point was kind of my like dream park as a kid. And when I finally got to go, it was, you know, like that dream come true of like, oh my God, that's a real place. And I just kind of viewed it as holy. So I didn't really want to make fun of any of my special rides until I was like, you know what? No, Sam, you do need to make fun of your special rides because it was just a weird block that was holding me back from what I think is the funniest episode that I've written. And my favorite rides at Cedar Point are the classic ones. And I decided that Magnum and Blue Streak were going to go on a date. And I set them up through a dating app, kind of a spoof on eHarmony, and I called it eStop Harmony. (laughs) (laughs) I spent hours mocking up a little eStop Harmony app like a 
a little demo if you know coasters had a dating app and making sure. these stupid little profiles yeah i just think that's the funniest episode the way the way i put it together and the subject matter because th- the joke is that they're both pretty old right uh, and they're going to be at the senior function which is why they're on <laughs> <laughs> east top harmony i love that <laughs> um, but yeah that's that's my favorite episode i also really like the lightning rod one because lightning rod spoiler does not end up with anyone because uh, she broke down um, so do you have any future plans for the show? Any future matches that you're thinking about? I certainly have future plans. Well, this weekend, actually, I am going to Islands of Adventure for the first time uh, to get on Velocicoaster. Yay! You can certainly expect Velocicoaster to be finding the love of its life. Uh, oh, I'm so ready. ready. Yeah. <laughs> That'll <laughs> so definitely I'll, I'll write a little season three uh, sometime, probably in in uh april or may and uh start start putting those out uh but no in terms of like how the show is gonna evolve i i really have no idea i mean i do content creation for fun uh it's not like this is a career for me or anything so um sure. i make episodes when i feel like it and i put them up on my you know personal little artboard instagram profile and uh that's just kind of how it is and i think it's i think it's funnier that way if if I just keep it as a casual thing. So right, yeah, right. the plan is to uh, keep being silly. I wouldn't mind collaborating with a couple other creators eventually. I would love to do an episode with someone else. I just haven't really figured that out yet. Actually, no, I do want to give a shout out because I have a, a big inspiration for the series. And there's sure. this YouTuber I follow called The Right Guy. Um, if you don't watch his videos, uh, he's based out of, I think, Maryland maybe. He goes to Hershey Park a lot. And he just has the craziest youtube videos like special effects where there shouldn't be special effects like lightning fire explosions it it's just the funniest stuff to me i always watch his his videos and i'm so deeply entertained by the absurdity that he creates in each vlog that i was like you know i really want to i want to emulate that i want to do something just like that so he was a big inspiration for this you know speed dating series but i would love to one day uh make a video with him Awesome. Well, like you said, shout out to the Rye guy and I'll definitely have to check out his videos and I hope you get to do that collaboration with him one day. That would be really cool to see. Uh, So final question, and this one's a little bit more out there. It doesn't really have anything to do with what we've already discussed. Uh, But what would you say are your top three favorite roller coasters? That is really hard. I've always kind of avoided ranking because I like every ride for a different reason. Um, Sure. Like one of my absolute favorite rides for no reason was Woodstock Express at Carowinds. I just had like a hell of a time on it and I don't know like it just gave me so much joy um, but no if I, if I were being that. more serious I think I have three uh, standout coaster experiences that I've had and I'd rather go with like coaster experiences rather than like total rides because each ride is you know, different on every day so I'd say one of them would be uh, Iron Quasi. Another one would be Maverick at Cedar Point. Um, oh my God, yes. Yeah, I wrote it for the first time in 2018. And up to that point, that was the first time that I was like, whoa, Antamin is like, they're not playing around here. It just shook me like to my core. The whippiness of it, the absurdity of the first drop, and you know that launch out of the tunnel. Just so fun. So Maverick would be up there. Um, and I think the last mm-hmm. one... Uh, is Big Bear Mountain at Dollywood. Nice. Um, 
yeah, the first day of con, I wrote it, I think probably close to 10 or 15 times. And I don't think I've ever had more fun on a roller coaster. The soundtrack of the ride, the layout of the ride, everything is just a blast. Like it's just a true romp through the woods. Um, I mean, there's no woods there now, but you know, in the future, <laughs> right? Greenery around it. <laughs> sure. I, I think those would be the top three. Nice. Well, obviously, those are all excellent choices, but I would have said you could have just stuck with Woodstock Express because when you said Woodstock Express, I was thinking, oh, well, that's kind of sweet um, because that means we have something in common. Woodstock Express was actually my very first roller coaster ever. Was it really? It was. And of course, this was many moons ago before the Cedar Fair acquisition. So at that point, it was Scooby-Doo's Ghoster Coaster. Um, but still the same coaster, obviously, just with a name change. Um, but when you said Woodstock Express, I was just like, aww. Yeah, I truly love coasters. So yeah, it spans a whole range. I like the big ones. Definitely. I like the small ones. Anything that makes me giggle. Love it. Well, folks, that's a wrap on our Valentine special with the talented Sam Cooper. Sam, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us a peek into your creative processes. Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey. I really enjoyed talking about it. Likewise. And to our listeners, be sure to check out Sam's work on Instagram and follow his adventures in coaster matchmaking. Once again, that's mid-period course period blues, and we'll be sure to add it in the show notes as well. Until next time, keep chasing thrills and making memories. Thank you so much to Rick Boss from Sky Elements and to Sam Cooper for talking with us. And thank you, enthusiasts, for tuning in. Remember, money can't buy you love, but it can buy you an ACE membership. And that's basically the same thing, right? We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars if you can, rate and review. And if you have any questions, comments, or podcast episode pitches for us, please reach out to podcast at aceonline.org. Don't forget to check the website, ridewithace.com. And remember that Ace is everywhere you consume your social media. We're on Facebook, X, Threads, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Make sure you're subscribed to Ace's pages on YouTube. There's so much good YouTube content right now on Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Follow Ace everywhere to stay on top of all the coaster and park news and to hear what your Ace membership has to offer. Thanks for listening. Hope you get to ride a coaster you love today. Ride With Us is produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a registered 501c3 organization. Visit ridewithace.com for additional information and we will see you at the parks.